Have you heard of the Bellsmith? If not, you need to check them out. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram. They make the most unique bells. I currently have them making one for me and my son after our trip to Omaha. They are known for making the most unique bells for supporting the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They have a line of game day bells, plus their premium artillery, grand slam, lefty, pirate, swashbuckler, and junction bells. So check them out today and get your custom-made bell. I can swallow a bottle up, wall it up, feel like Godzilla. Better hit the deck like a cartilla. My whole squad's in here walking around the party. A cross between a zombie, apocalypse, and Bobby to bring meaning, which is probably the same reason I Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brother from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers. And guys, tonight is episode 23 titled Air Raid, because tonight we have the captain of that Mississippi State Bulldog Air Raid offense, Will Rogers himself, joining us. He's going to talk to us about last season. And he's going to talk to us about this new upcoming season where he is the man with the master plan behind center doing big things. So, guys, let's get right to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, Mississippi State quarterback Will Rogers. Will, my man. What's going on? It's about time that we had you on, man. Yeah. We we have been hearing and reading and seeing all kinds of stuff about you. It's all been good stuff. But, but before we get into that, I, I, I don't even know if I'm qualified to even talk to you because I was just sent a picture through text. It's you in the middle of Eli Manning on one side and Peyton Manning on the other, like – how do you find yourself in that situation? Man, I, I mean, I, I start to think that question sometimes too, you know. Uh, I mean, how I mean, how blessed am I? You know, I'm sitting by two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Uh, but, you know, it's just a blessing, you know, to be able to go out there with those guys for three or four days and spend time with them. Uh, it's honestly just truly a blessing. You know, not many quarterbacks can say that they've, met those guys and had hand work, hands work done, you know, on something on their game from those guys. So uh, it was incredible just to be out there for that weekend. And um, like I said, it's just a blessing, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure as a kid, like you, you have these big dreams and these big ideas, but you know, as you get older, you, you don't know what's going to become a reality. You know, you're going to put the hard work in, but uh, it, it seems like everything that, you know, we see and read has been just a, a really a dedication to your hard work and, and how you were brought up. And, you know, I want to get into that a little bit. So, you know, we don't know a whole lot about you. Talk to us, man. Where are you from? Where, you know, big city, small city? Like, yeah, man. So, um, girl, I'm from Brandon, Mississippi. Um, if you, if people ask me where I'm from, I say I'm from Brandon, Mississippi. Um, you know, I was born in I was born in let me fix this. I was born in UT Martin. Uh, Dad coached football at UT Martin for a little while, so I was born there. Um, jumped around because my dad's a high school coach, so uh, we went to Meridian for a little while when he coached Meridian High. He got out of coaching for a little while, uh, so we were living in Brandon when he was out of coaching. He was selling pharmaceuticals in Brandon. Um, 
And then he decided he wanted to get back in coaching, and he went to Winston Academy. Um, so I was living in tiny Louisville, Mississippi, right up the road from Starkville um, for two years. And then for two two years after that, I came to Brandon. So I was in Louisville for first and second grade. Third grade, I came to Brandon. Fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I moved back to Louisville with my mom. And then we moved back to Brandon um, seventh through on. So I've been – I claim Brandon. i kind of been back and forth for a while, but I claim Brandon uh, just because it's where I went to middle school and graduated high school. So Yeah, being, being the son of a, a football coach, especially, you know, in, in the programs that you're mentioning, like what are the difficulties? Because I, I, I picture you as like a nomad, the, the way you would describe it. You're moving – from one place to another, you don't know how long the stint's going to be. Um, you know, yeah. talk to us about like, what were some of the challenges growing up, you know, knowing that I may only be in this particular area for a year or two. No, it's extremely challenging. And I kind of feel bad for my mom. Uh, I kind of feel bad for my sister too. My sister's three years older than me and they've made two or three more moves than I have. So, I mean, um, it's challenging, uh, no doubt, uh, for the family aspect of things. But, I mean, I was blessed to have two great siblings, a great mom, a great father. So, um, you know, having them with me wherever I went was just a blessing. But, I mean, you know, like you said, uh, you never know. I mean, that's just coaching in general, you know. You never know when your numbers going to get called. And, you know, if you don't win, they're going to find somebody that can. So, Absolutely. You know, you, you talk about your dad, it seemed like he was constantly on a football field. So I can only imagine that you were probably not too far behind. Oh yeah. No, I was, I mean, I can remember being at the practice field. I mean, when they still had two days, they would still let the guys in high school do two days. I was up there at 4am with the guys, you know, I'd, I'd wake up, we'd stop at the gas station on the way to get something to eat, wake us up and, you know, we'd be ready to roll for the day. So we, to me, it sounds like dad was a was a driving influence in your football career. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was not much of a football player growing up. But, I mean, I think his love for the sport and uh, the way he studies the game is just incredible. So, I mean, just to see that growing up um, from five years old to now, it's just it's really inspiring for me. And, you know, he kind of showed me the way. So were there any other sports? I mean, it, I, I would imagine it would be hard to pull you away from the football field, you know, knowing dad's there. You know, I, I've coached, and I know most yeah. of us have coached at some level uh, to some capacity, and it's always a, a huge time constraint as far as the amount of time that you have and the amount of time you have to spend. So um, was football the only sport that you played, or were you able to venture out and play other sports as well? Man, I tell you, I, I loved everything growing up. You know, I mean, I can remember, I mean, when I was in second and third grade, I mean, that was kind of my soccer phase. You know, I love soccer. That's what we did. We did travel soccer. Um, and then probably, uh, I guess, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, probably until I got into middle school. I mean, I really loved baseball. You know, travel baseball was a huge thing. I mean, if you have a kid and he's – Love sports. He probably loves playing baseball and travel baseball is a huge thing uh, around here. So, I mean, I really love everything, you know, and then, I mean, 
I love football, but, you know, I just didn't – we just – it wasn't that competitive, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. It's just kind of – I mean, you're playing football, but you're playing the rec league. It's just kind of like, like – uh, and then once seventh grade got here and we were starting to play for the school, play for Brandon, do all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, it's, that's when it kind of connected, you know, um, you know, getting to Brandon. Uh, you know, I'd obviously seen how my dad had done things, but uh, once I got into middle school, it really kind of connected. Uh, I mean, then it was just like, all right, this is, this is what I'm going to do for a while. So uh, I let baseball go. I played baseball at seventh grade in Brandon. I did well. I played shortstop. Um, thought it pretty well but I don't know in the back of my head it was just like uh you know I can't play I can't do both you know because baseball is a spring sport and while I'm playing baseball people are just going to be getting better than me in football they're going to be getting bigger faster stronger than me so that was just kind of the personal decision I made it was not something that my dad wanted me to do not something my mom wanted me to do I can remember just walking down to the baseball field and telling the coach it was like all right I'm sorry, but I don't really want to play anymore. I want to get better. I want to get bigger, faster, and stronger because I don't want people out working, you know. So take take the where you're at currently with football out of the equation. Is is that a decision that you feel like you have some regrets for or you're totally at peace with not ever continuing baseball again, knowing that you probably could have played it at, at a high level? Uh, I mean, obviously, I have to say I'm at peace. You know, I can't – I don't think – I mean, I can honestly – honestly, guys, say that I've emptied every – I've emptied the tank. You know, I mean, I've not – I mean, I don't let a day go by without getting better. So, I mean, honest to God, I don't – I'm not worried about that. I do – I do have some thoughts sometimes. Like, man, I love – I love the game of baseball. You know, I love playing baseball. I don't like the – there's some kind of, you know, persona that the baseball players get and all that stuff. I'm not a fan of that. But, I mean, when I think of baseball, I think of, like, watching, like, Derek Jeter grow up and all that stuff. You know, that's that's who, that's who I watch baseball. You know, guys like him, that's why I wear number two and stuff like that because Jeter was my guy growing up. So. Well, so, you know, I, I think back on everything that you said. You know, I, I look at where you're at now. I, I picture, you know, you on the football field constantly, you know, moving back and forth with your dad, all the, the sports growing up. Like, I don't see, like, were you the best player on the field every time you played something? Like, I, I feel like not. you were. Absolutely not. I mean, I can think about – it's crazy, dude. Like, like, peewee football, Winston Academy, like, fourth and sixth grade. Like, there was this guy that was just better than me. I mean – I mean, he might not have been a better quarterback than me. Yeah, he couldn't throw the ball like I could, but he was a better football player than I was. He, I mean, he was faster than me. He was stronger than me. He made better tackles than me. I mean, all that stuff, he was a better football player than I was. And then, like, uh, for example, like when I was at Brandon, like in middle school, I mean, I was the best – I was probably the best player on the team in middle school, but, like – I can remember going to like a camp at Ole Miss when I was in eighth or ninth grade and they're like offering this guy. And I'm like, dude, what? Like, I, I mean, like, whoa, I'm like, I, I could be in trouble, dude. Like, I mean, and I mean, that guy plays quarterback in the SEC. I'm not going to say his name, but I mean, I feel like I've outworked him now, you know, 
I mean, it's just stuff like that, you know? Well, it's good to have, you know, those experiences because it kind of drives you to move forward. And, you know, when you're seeing that, you're still a kid, like, you know, like. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it can can be discouraging to you, dude. I mean, I I remember leaving there and being like, like, this guy's like 6'4", 220 pounds in the ninth grade. I'm like six foot 150 you know like give me a break dude (laughs) so so we 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 gotta know man like you you said he plays in the sec is it it in the west i can't i mean he's not in the west i'm not i can't say his name but i mean i feel like i've i mean that's the thing with me man like i'm not i'm not biggest like if you saw me walking around the streets and start well you're not gonna be like now that guy's an sec football player you know like that guy plays sec football i mean dude i'm just at the end of the day i'm just average joe is gonna give it all he got on the field and i mean that's all i can bring to the table and i we we i think in high school yeah no i think in high school i kind of i kind of i kind of grasped that you know i realized that i wasn't gonna be a top top 10 quarterback in the country. I realized that I wasn't going to be a five-star or recruited recruited from every school in the country, you know? So, I mean, I remember telling myself that I was going to have to bring something different to the party, you know? Like, I like I can't be – I can't be this guy that's just doing whatever and expect to win all these games, so. Yeah, so, Will, you, you talked about when you are in high school. For those that don't know, where you, you, you mentioned that you grew up in Brandon, but just talk about the high school that you went to, what that was like. Oh, yeah, no, Brandon, I mean, I put Brandon's football up against anybody's, you know. We played 6A football. It's the SEC West of high school football. So, I mean, every year, I, I mean, I can say that I played, I mean, you name a powerhouse in Mississippi, I probably played them and beat them. So There you uh, go. <laughs> yeah um i mean a couple schools got me more than i really wanted them to let me ask you but, a question man when you go and you and you google brandon high school and i, I look on notable alumni I, I i don't i don't see your name yet bro we got to get your name on there for one dude i know i mean I, that's that speaks for how good brandon is i mean i DeMario see some Dave. names demario Gardner, davis Gardner Minshew. i mean that's I mean, dude now, i mean like all the talent that Brandon's Jarius Norwood. I mean, he's from Brandon. Uh, I, bet, I bet if you grew a mustache, that's what would. Yeah, I'm kind of working on it, bro. I, mean, I see it coming in a little shade there. Let me ask you a question, since you know, obviously Gardner Minshew. You know, there's actually an article written about you know that you know a protege of his or what, however you want to say. It, you guys, yeah. Yep. But uh, did this man his there was like a the quote of the year. He said, "I haven't taken a shit in two weeks because number two is not an option." Is that a real quote? Oh, no, he's dead serious. He is dead serious. So I talked to him a week ago, and he was like – he was just pumped up for camp, dude. He was like, yeah, we're about to get after it, man. I'm excited. I mean, he's that, like, it's this did. sunshine looking some coming in here taking my job. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, we all know how talented Trevor Lawrence is, but people are sleeping on Gardner, man, because that dude put up some he's, – he's, he's cold. No, dude, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is the first overall draft pick for a reason. But, I mean, it's kind of like the thing that goes back to me, like, I mean, Gardner, Gardner's not – Gardner wasn't a first-round draft pick, but he's going to win more games than I'll, I'll put him up with anybody, you know, just because he's a competitor and he works hard, you know. Well, Randy, y'all talking quarterbacks, but you know you had me at Demario Davis, bro. 
I know I was about to say that. So uh, Jim, Jim's a big fan. You, you mentioned Derek Jeter. Uh, that's my favorite player of all time in any sport. So, I mean, you got me there now, you know, went to the same high school as DeMario. You, you're big, already making fan favorites on the show here. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so getting back to the high school, you know, I know obviously six A, so it's pretty big, but you know, talk about not only athletically, but academically, what was it like going to Brandon? I mean, the academics is like top to nine. I mean, I think my brother is going to be my brother's going to be a junior this year, and so like when you're a junior at Brandon, you're eligible to take all these college classes. So the way it works is you can take all these college classes, um, and you can end up having like I don't know how many. I think my sister had like over twelve or almost sixteen hours of college credits when she went into when 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 she went into college. So, I mean, the way that they just do things and. Uh, you know, they have every kid in line. They're not going to let a kid not graduate. I mean, you have to try to not graduate from Brandon, you know, just because you have so much help and so much support. So, so look, I mean, it's a great place. Oh, no, it's awesome, man. I love this place. And, you know, they're going to put me in the ground here one day. So, yeah, so no doubt. But look, speaking of your sister, uh, small world, I know some people that know her. And how, what's it like? You go to Mississippi State, but she's an old Miss grad, man. Is there a lot of. There's some trash talking going on here. Dude, dude, I, I mean, I was – no, there's no trash talking. She supports me 100%. Oh, yeah. uh, so, she she's in grad school here now. Okay. So, she's doing that. This is going to be her second year of grad school at Mississippi State. And, I mean, dude, if you know – I'm not sure if y'all know, but, like, the story is that, like, like I, I loved Ole Miss. I wanted to go to Ole Miss my whole life, you know. And they never offered me. <laughs> so, oh man, yeah, and they're lost, right? Now I, you got to now you got to kick that ass every year. No doubt, man. No doubt. So I'm sorry. Back to high school. We got a little bit off there, but back to yeah. high school. So uh, obviously, doing a little bit of research, everybody knows that you know your, your dad's calling plays over there, runs yeah. an offense a little bit similar to what Mike the air raid. So just kind of talk us through what the emotions were like coming in as a freshman. I mean, did you did you start right away? I mean, did it take a while? No, so there was uh there was another quarterback that was starting my freshman year, and I, so I played ninth grade football my freshman year and just kind of play with my my team and all that stuff, uh, and then I got to move up after my freshman year and I just kind of I didn't play at all you know I just kind of watched and just kind of learned but I, I knew what was going on you know, um, so. Uh, my sophomore year was my first year of starting. So I started my sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year. I mean, it was it was awesome, man. Best years of my life, no doubt. I, I mean, I tell people all the time that if I go back to my senior year of high school and just play those last eight or nine games, you know, I, I would do that in a heartbeat, you know. Just because of the relationships that you had. I mean, my dad was calling plays. We were getting hot, you know. It was just a great time, man. Yeah, so what you said your senior year was your favorite year, but it's kind of walking through. You know, you mentioned that you played against the biggest and the best in the state and in surrounding areas. So kind of walk us through that. What was your like the first moment that you're the starting quarterbacks? Maybe a sophomore year. Who was the first big game you played against, and what were those emotions like? I mean, my first start was against Madison Central, and uh, I mean they have they always have some big athletic guys, and they're so they're so cooked up well. Uh, Coach Hart, I think, is his name. I mean, he does such a great job with those guys. They're they're coached up to the to the T every year. Um, so we played. We opened up with Madison. 
And then the next week we played South Panola at home and they just have big fast guys that just eat guys like me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm telling you, man, it, it's crazy. You know, you're playing against, I mean, you, you name guys that I've played against it, like John Ross Plumley, Jonathan Mingo, uh, Jack Harris, Jaden Crumity, all the, I mean, I've played against all those guys, McKinley Jackson, who starts at Texas a and I mean, I've played against all those guys, you know, so like I roll up, I come in against Texas a and I see him standing across from me and I'm like, all right, I mean, I've seen you the I've past. I've seen th- this before. Yeah. I mean, like I've seen you the past three years, like what's <laughs> up, dude, I'm not, I'm not worried about you right now. <laughs> no doubt. So when you, was there ever like a, uh, like a, a realization moment was it sophomore junior senior year that you thought man like I, I belong here and I'm gonna play at the next level oh man yeah probably uh, you could see some flash I mean I could see that I was doing some things my sophomore year but I mean I was still young you know I was just still just getting those first cu- couple games under my belt but then like summer going into my junior year, and then, like, going through my junior year, it was like, all right, like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, like, like we were legit. Like, we won 13 games that year. Probably should have won – probably should have played for the state championship. Maybe pro- probably should have won it. Um, but, I mean, dude, just playing against those guys, throwing for yards like that, winning a bunch of games, it was just like, all right, like, I can do this, you know. So, so when did uh, colleges start reaching out to you? Yeah, dude. I mean, I was telling you, like, guys were getting offers, and I graded like eighth and ninth grade, and I'm just like, all right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes. I mean, yeah, I didn't, I didn't start telling me like, like, because September first is your junior year. September first is the date that like colleges can reach out to you, and like, I remember they were like cut your phone off because you're going to have like hundred messages when you wake up. And I woke up and I had like one message. I think I was like, what? I was like, does anybody know like my number? <laughs> so I was just like, I mean, whatever. And I think times like that, you know, you can get kind of wrapped up in the recruiting process too much. And, you know, I see it happening so much today, but I mean, if you win games and you're the best team in the state and you're one of the best players with the best team on the state, I mean, that'll handle itself, you know. So, I kind of just kind of didn't worry about that. As the season went on, people started reaching out to me more. And at the end of the year, uh, I mean, I was we – were, we, were, we were rolling pretty good. And I knew that after this year that some uh, teams were going to start offering me. And I think, like, um, uh, probably two or three weeks after the season was my first offer. So, Who was that first offer? Washington State from Leach. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So who was obviously you mentioned them, but who were your top three? I mean, kind of mentioned Ole Miss earlier. I mean, I was, I'm assuming they're in there. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, it wasn't really an option, you know. Right. Um, which I did come out. Which the recruiting process for a quarterback is so different, man, because every school usually takes one a class. So like, if I'm getting recruited by Washington State, I'm getting recruited by Mississippi State, you know. And I commit, you know, that school's done recruiting quarterbacks for that class. So I I kind of want to stay close. You know, I really wanted to play in the ACC. I mean, 
<clears throat> and I can remember hearing from like the Georgia calling me and like, Hey, we're coming to watch you throw this week. Like be ready. And I'm like, all right. But then like I went on a recruiting trip with uh, Jonathan Mingo to Mississippi state. And I remember they were, I was sitting in the office with coach Moorhead and they were like, we really want you. We really want you to be our guy. But if somebody commits, we can't do anything about that. We have to take their commitment. And they were like, there's this kid coming in from Texas next week, and we've heard that he's going to commit if he if he gets on campus. So I was like, me being me, I only had two Power Five offers. One was Mississippi State, one was Washington State. And I was just like, man, this is two hours from my house. I want to play in the SEC. I like the coaches. They're great people. I mean, you know, let's do it. So that's how my commitment worked. And then, I mean, once I committed, the only school that I would hear from was Washington State because they were trying to get me to flip to them because of how we played in high school and what we did. But, uh, yeah, my recruitment kind of kind of shut down after that. And, so you know, the Texas I, I really quarterback, wanted... did he not even come on the campus visit after that? You commit. I mean, what's he got to come to campus for, right? No, yeah, I mean, they're done. Like, once yeah. – that's how it works, you know. Once – I mean, nine, probably 90% of schools, they're taking a quarterback a class, you know, scholarship quarterback, you know what I'm saying? They'll have guys that want to walk on and they'll let walk on, but they'll take one quarterback a class and that's their guy, you know. I got one more question before I turn you over to Jim. So what I'm hearing here is that Mississippi State hired Mike Leach because they had you as their quarterback. He, he couldn't <laughs> flip you, so you flipped him. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. If you ever if you ever see him, you need to ask him about that. I'm going to ask him about two things, Pirates and Will Rogers. There you go, man. Appreciate it. That No, that's absolutely wild that uh, you ended up with the same coach that was recruiting you. It was almost like it was completely meant to be. Yeah, uh, no, God thing for sure, man. So when you get to Mississippi State, you get on campus. Obviously, you know, you talked about Ole Miss – but, you know, Starkville is an amazing place. It's an amazing campus. What were the emotions like, man, when you stepped on campus and realized that, you know, you were a student there? Man, it's awesome. You know, I told you growing up, I, I loved Ole Miss. But, I mean, Oxford and Starkville are two totally different places. I mean, you can tell the difference between them. I kind of kind of get like the home vibe from Starkville. Uh, you know, Oxford's kind of a little more upscale, you know, just kind of whatever. I mean, I just love being in Starbucks. love being around the people there. And, you know, it's a great place. You know, I love it. Yeah. And you started school at a unique time, man. It was during, you know, COVID and everything. So like, did you even get to attend a class in person your freshman year or was it all online? Yeah. So I did. So, you know, I came in early, I came in in December. So I was there the whole semester before COVID. So it was great just being there. Uh, going to classes, uh, meeting new friends, meeting new people, new teammates, all that stuff. Um, but then COVID happened and just kind of threw a big curveball at us. But, and, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, um, and it's just a little longer summer, you could say. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. Well, at least you got to, I mean, experience that right off the jump because some people didn't get to experience uh, even being in a classroom and, you know, from myself and these guys, we couldn't imagine going to college and then we can't even, you know, go out and meet people like you were saying off the jump and, you know, you're being stuck in your, your dorm room all the time and whatnot. Yeah, so weird, man. 
So first day of practice, you know, you're putting on the pads, you're you're officially on the, the Mississippi State football team. What's what's that like? Dude, it's awesome. You know, I mean, dream come true, you know, playing football in the SEC. You know, that's all you can ask for. Uh, and, you know, that's all, I, that's all I ever wanted, man, just a chance, just an opportunity. Uh, because you, I knew that if I just – if I would just – I knew in high school, man, if I would just gotten that offer and gotten that chance, I mean, I was going – you know, I was going – I was going to outwork everybody on the in the quarterback room. I was going to outwork everybody on the team, and that's all I needed was just that chance just to have one opportunity to play. So, you know – Coming out for that first practice, it was just like, all right, you know, it's time. You know, like, let's do this thing. You know, this is what we worked for for five, six years, every single day. You know, so, all right, let's 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 do this dang thing. Starting to see more and more why you're friends with Cameron James. Y'all are, like, the same person. Like, yeah. y'all, got the same, y'all got the same mindset and work ethic. Like, I, I get it now. I all make sense. All right, so you see you see the stuff in the background behind me. You see I'm an LSU fan, so I got to ask this question. Now, you weren't starting yet, but you nevertheless, you're part of the team. You go down to Death Valley, defending national champions. Um, you know, obviously, this, the stadium's not at full capacity or anything, but nonetheless, you, you, are, you are in Death Valley, and they are the defending national champions. What is it like for stepping in the first, you know, game, SEC game at that and being in that place? What was that atmosphere like to you, even with the fans not there? Dude, you're not – you probably don't know this, but, dude, I, I can't answer that. I don't know I was not there. I had, oh. so, so the story is is that I get COVID. So I'm, I'm the backup. I get – I test on Wednesday. No, I test on Thursday. I test on Thursday. So we have three tests a week last week. I tested on Monday, negative, Wednesday, negative, Thursday, positive. Get called Friday morning before getting on the plane. They're like, hey, you just tested positive. You can't go. So I miss LSU and Arkansas. So I missed the first two weeks of the 2020 season. And then practice next week and end up going in against Kentucky I mean, so I've played every single game in college. You know, that's it's kind of a crazy stat is that I haven't I haven't not played a game since my freshman year in high school. So, I mean, that's absolutely crazy because hey, we all we all need to knock on some wood. You know, knock on some wood. No injuries. Uh, but yeah, man, it's a blessing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's crazy because our last guest, um, we ran we ran into that too. You know, Memphis linebacker he. He missed the first game due to COVID, and Randy had made the joke to him. He's like, you're the one that gave it to everybody, aren't you? Because they ended up having an outbreak. So, Will, are you the one that's passing around to everybody? You that guy? Man, I tried to I tried to stay away from everybody as much as possible. It was crazy, man. But, I mean, I, I'm honestly glad it happened when it did. You know, I, I did not want it to happen midseason while I was actually the starter, you know. So, right. So, you said that, a good time. so, you said that first start was at Kentucky, right? Is that what you said? No, I didn't start. So uh, I came in the second half. The next week, I came in in the second half against AM. And then I came in the second quarter against Bama. And then I, I started against Vanderbilt, uh, Georgia, Ole Miss, Auburn, Missouri, and Tulsa. So I started the last six games of the year. I got you. So, all right. Well, you know, 
what is it like? All right. I was going to ask you about starting first, but let, let's go there. I mean, you're jumping into the middle of these games against big time opponents. I mean, you know, you're rattling off Bama, you know, like what's it, what's it like just, you know, jumping in the middle of those games against big time opponents like that? That Honestly, man, that was tough, you know, just being on the sideline for an hour and a half or however long, however long it was, you know, and then just hopping in and be like, hey, here's Bama, go get them. You know, it's just kind of like, all right, appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's awesome, man, uh, playing in the SEC. I tell you, man, the coolest experience to me was the Georgia game this year. Uh, just because of the scenario and stuff like that, we had like 40-something scholarship players, 52 total players or something going down to play them uh, because of COVID. Um so the funny story is that we're actually sitting in the parking lot on the buses for like two hours before like Leach is on the phone with the commissioner, all that stuff, trying to figure out if we can even go. So after two hours, we finally loaded up, went and got on the plane, flew to Atlanta, drove to Athens, woke up. We have like a six o'clock game the next day. We're staying like somewhere between Atlanta and Athens. I mean, we get off the bus. It's like the coolest atmosphere in the world, coolest stadium. Uh, and, I mean, we probably should have won the game. You know, they scored in the last couple minutes of the game and beat us by a touchdown. So, I mean, that just shows – that just shows, like, what we're like as a program, you know. And that's one thing that I've kind of connected with is that Mississippi State is – the same as me you know we, we don't get respected we're kind of like the last dog to the bowl so to speak um and you know we have to scratch and claw for everything we've ever gotten you know that's just like me you know I'm not I'm not the most talented person in the world and I never will be but I'm gonna I'm gonna fight your ass off and I'm gonna get everything I can get out of myself yeah absolutely sounded sounded perfect I mean you talked about it, it felt like you know God just put this plan together and now you're you're paired with the coach that was recruiting you from another college. And then you're at a program that is built like you. Um, we got a clip. I, I got Daniel's going to play, man, just a, a clip of you during the season that we wanted to, to throw out there for the listeners there. Go ahead and get that Daniel. Rhythm to this offense when Rogers began to play more. And that's what Mike Leach saw. There's a sense of timing about this young man. So, I mean, you know, that just speaks right there. You know, you're hearing that clip of the commentator and Leach saw that in you. And then you went out there, as you said, you know, you were gradually getting more and more playing time. And then, I mean, you were just putting it together. Like, where would you say at what point in the season do you feel like you really just had it all together? I mean, it was building up. You know, I felt like I felt like I got better every week. You know, uh, I played pretty well against Texas A&M, but I only played from the middle of the third quarter on. Uh, and then, I mean, I go in against Bama, we're down 24 to nothing. And, you know, we, we had some we had some plays that – I mean, there's plays that I went back for sure. I threw a couple picks. But, you know, you could see that, like, it was coming together. You know, we weren't we – were, we would have a good play and then two bad plays. A good play – you know, the good plays were in there. So, you know, that's one thing about us. We got better each week. Uh, but I, I, to answer your question, I would say the Georgia game. Uh, you know, we went down there, and the thing is, is that 
I mean, like I said, all odds were against us, but, you know, it had been building up in practice. You know, we were practicing really, really well. Offense was hitting. And, you know, I mean, I felt great. I mean, I, I told Leach before the game, I was like, we were, we were warming up or whatever. And I, I walked up to him. I was like, hey, if we win the coin toss, I want the ball. You know, I don't want I don't want those guys to have the ball for us. I want the ball. And so, you know, the first time we went down there, we scored. So. Man, it's it's real interesting listening to you talk because you're you're very humble, but you're such a competitor too. So like your your comments are not arrogant. It's it's just you you want to compete and you want to be in there and you want to do things. But man, you know, like I said, I know you're humble, so you, you know you're not going to talk too much about yourself. But I want to read you know some things off. Um, you know, you were the seventh true freshman to start for Mississippi State. Um, you set the school record with 45 uh, pass completions against Ole Miss, which I mean, I got I got a note. How did how did that feel? Because that that was the school that you thought you you know might end up at one day. Yeah, no, that felt great. Uh, you know, getting those guys. But I mean, we I wish we could have won. You know, that's one thing. I wish we could have won uh, that game. So you know, wasn't enough, man. Yeah, but I mean, hey, you know, you. Hey, by all accounts, you know, you did your part. And then uh, – and, and it's, a t- it's a team game. And, man, uh, you know, I, I'm not watching it right now to know where you may or may not been able to improve. But, obvi- obviously, man, stats usually can speak for themselves. And to continue on, you know, you're the only quarterback in Mississippi State history with three straight 30-plus completion games, man. You had 177 passes without an INT. And, man, that, and that is the stat of stats because uh, when you don't turn the ball over um, – I mean that that's a that's a great way to to stay leading the team at quarterback right there. You, you don't want somebody who's going to turn the ball over. Um, you number three in the NCAA, number one in the SEC for completions per game, and uh, you led all freshman quarterbacks and and drawbacks completions. You know, I mean completion percentage, passing yards. So I mean, dude, I know the team did not perform as well. And like I said, I know you're a humble cat, but. Um, did you ever expect that you would have that much success in your in your freshman year, especially a year that was shortened and, like you said, you missed the first couple of games because of COVID and all that? No doubt, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know that's, that's that's why I worked all summer. As soon as I got there, I started working with receivers. Um, you know, but yeah, I expected that, and I probably expected more uh, in some of those games. Uh, you know, we struggled a little bit, but you know, we 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 kind of started to figure it out the last the last couple of weeks of the year. So yeah, I definitely expected that. Honestly, did you know? Obviously, we're talking about the competitive spirit, but you know, listening to when Daniel was talking to you about you and your dad, I feel like you've probably set the bar high for yourself your whole life. Would that be correct? Oh yeah, no, yeah. I mean, we we got to a point my senior year in high school where. I would tell the I would tell the O line and the receivers, I was like, like we're on the sideline. I'm like, all right, let's score every time we get this thing. You know, and there were there were times where we were scoring, we would score every drive but two, every drive but one. You know, I mean we were we were rolling there for four or five weeks and it was it was fun, man. I bet, man. We uh me and Daniel, unfortunately, we played on a team that didn't score or win much so you were you were like that that team that was scoring every drive on us unfortunately but <laughs> but this is about you not about how bad our team was <laughs> but uh all right so you talked about your best game personally um what do you feel like 
is from a team like complete game. What was the best game you felt like your team played uh, this year? Probably, probably Missouri, just because we played so well. Uh, I mean, the only the only knock I have on that is that we I turned it over. I turned it over twice. I threw a pick in the end zone, and then I had a strip sack. Uh, but you know, we played a really complete game. I think we had like 200 rushing yards over 250 passing yards and our defense had like three picks. So, I mean, if we do that every game this year, we'll probably win the national championship. <laughs> hey man, you know, I would say I'm rooting for you, but you know, you see the LSU stuff behind. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wish you to do well, Will, but um, I'm going to need, I'm going to need LSU to take the West and get that national title. But both, both y'all got to worry about Bama, unfortunately, as you know, every single year. Oh, no doubt. No Look, doubt. Look, while, while we're talking about next year, on September 18th, I don't want you to overlook that day, sir, because that's going to be a rough day for you. I hope you do well, but I'm – Yeah, man, right I now. hope you're there. I see that. See, when you know the schedule like me, you don't even need to know. Like, I know that date, you know? <laughs> like, I know what that date is. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I see that flag. You know, it looks it looks good. You know, it looks great. Mm. Uh but you know, I know, I know what's gonna happen. You know, I'll be the only one probably on this podcast that will be in attendance, Mister Rogers. But look, man, there's gonna be a lot of cowbells in there. But uh, just, you know, I hope you have a nice time. If you need some places <laughs> to go eat, man, I got you, dog. Rand yeah. Randy, Randy, I need you to tell Will, regardless of, of what happens, this this ain't the team that they think it is. <laughs> oh, I, think, dude, I think they oh, got oh, nothing oh, but respect, dude. I know, dude. So. Memphis is. I'm telling you, dude, Memphis is very, very good. I mean, it's, it's too it's too bad Randy's team isn't on your schedule. That's an easy W right there. He's a Tennessee <laughs> fan, so. Uh, well, if, if I still lived in Memphis, I would definitely be at that game, no doubt about it. It's going to be a good game, man. They're, they're really good. They got a really good coach, too. Well, hey, Will, I want to play another clip. Uh, D Daniel did a really good job pulling up some clips, and, we, you know, we've been re recapping the whole season, so I want to do a, another one real quick. Mississippi State Malik Heath. In the first quarter, look at this throw. This is a great throw by Will Rogers on these routes. It's called at home. It was in. So man, you know, it's it's so cool. It's gotta it's gotta be cool for you, like, to hear these commentators and how fired up they get and excited they get and the way they describe the way you play. You know, and so, I mean, you know, the, maybe the bar was set high and maybe you didn't meet expectations and the team didn't meet expectations. But to, to me, Will, man, I, I see it as, man, somewhat of a, a success and a building block because, you, like you said, um, you know, you feel like you're at a place where you're an underdog and you are going to be an improved team each year. And so I feel like last year was a real good building block. It was a first-year coach. You, you know, you're you only going to get better. And so with that, man, um, talk to me about the spring. How 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 did everything look? How'd y'all look? How y'all feeling? Oh yeah, we had we had a great we had a great spring, man. Uh you know, I think I think like I said, I mean, last year was great. Uh but I mean, we just have to get better off of last year, if that makes sense. You know, we had beaten two <clears throat> we beat two top twenty five teams. 
um, the last two weeks when they played us, they were top 25 teams at least. Uh, but, you know, we beat them the last two weeks. And, uh, you know, that was huge for us. That was huge for our program. Uh, you know, it's huge for our offseason. Because, um, you know, this whole offseason, all, now all we're thinking about is, all right, you know, we can do that, but, hey, we, we can do a lot more. You know, let's, let's, let's run the West, you know. That's our mindset and that's our mentality. Um, so, yeah. It's got to it's gotta be. I mean, it, you're a winner. You, you know, your team's there to compete. If that's not the mindset, don't need to be there. Um, exactly. So, let me ask you this, you know, assuming everything stays good, um, you know, with COVID and the protocol and everything, how excited are you, man, to be in Starkville, you know, daytime, nighttime, but the night games are more electric, obviously, been, been there for both, um, man, to just have a full capacity crowd and hear them cowbells ringing, man. Dude, I, I'm so excited. You know, I think about it. I think about it every day. You know, I think about just running out of the tunnel for – pregame warm-ups, hearing the cowbells, man, it's, it's going to be awesome. You know, I've never experienced it, but I, mean, I can only imagine what it's like. And, you know, I know that, I mean, you can line us up with anybody. When we got our fans behind us, 60,000-plus cowbells ringing loud, you know, I'll put us up against anybody. I heard that. So, I mean, I got one last question. I'm going to turn you over to Daniel, and you've already answered it multiple times, but I got to hear you say it. I mean, so is the Outlook National Championship – Hundred percent. Absolutely, wouldn't expect anything less. Go ahead, Daniel. All right, Will, man, it's been a, a great story and a, a great journey. Journey. So the, this season, we're we're looking forward to big things, man. But before we cut you loose, we're gonna play a quick game called This or That. You down? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. So it's it's real simple. I give you two options. All you have to do is pick one or the other. The only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. All right. All right. First question. Would you rather never wait in line or when you're driving have all green lights? Ooh, never wait in line, man. Mm. What's the one line that you would never want to wait in again? Oh, man. Mm. Probably get food or something, man. You know that feeling when you're really hungry and there's a long line to get food and you're just like, dude, this is the worst. You can see it. You can smell it. You just have to Yeah. I mean, it's terrible, dude. Like, awful. All right. Would you rather spend 10 years in a coma or five years in jail? 10 years in coma, dude. That's some good sleep. You'd be, you'd be feeling <laughs> good. You, you, Finally. You'd be, you'd be Finally. feeling good, man. Man, I've been telling everybody, give me that 10-year nap since we've been asking. Dude, you'd be, you be living to, like, 150. What, dude, so the football player says give them the nap. We had all these baseball players say they want jail. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I get it. They, they, can, they can do physical activities after their games, but <laughs> I feel like I just got in a car crash after, after a game. Yeah. So I need, I need a little rest, you know. I know that's right. So, I, I don't shoot the messenger now. I was just told to ask this question. Now, who's who's more athletic, you or Cameron James? Well, I mean, if you look at it, it's it's a tough choice. You know, I get it. It's a really tough choice. You know, they just won the national championship. I mean, he he looks good running around the bases and all that stuff. But I mean. If you line up all the sports, all right, let's think. 
He's probably got baseball. I've probably got football. Basketball? Me. Oh, uh-oh. We're going to have to get a video. Right, I'm, so I'm, cha- so. I'm challenging that. Hey, basketball, me? Any, anything with a ball besides baseball, you know? Ping pong, anything. <laughs> you know, we, we could do an Olympics, you know? But, I, hey, I, no, dude, seriously, though, he, 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 he looks like he could play some damn football for sure. I mean, he's 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 probably one of the only baseball players I've been like, all right, that dude looks like an athlete, you know. <laughs> Look, and, and until Cameron James lines up under center against Alabama, you're gonna win this every day in my book. Oh, no doubt. And I like Cameron; he's a great guy. Yeah, great. Kid. Yeah, we gotta. Hey, Daniel, you know we gotta stop this with him. He's already. He's got to go against multiple people, including his own sister. He's got to hit off her pitching. We keep getting Cam in trouble bringing him into these equations. Now we're going to have to have him play basketball against Will. I mean, Cam's got a lot on his plate just, just to yeah. provide for yeah, us. We could, definitely, we could definitely do that. All right, Will. So would you rather be chronically overdressed or chronically underdressed? Uh definitely overdressed you overdressed and you're just like i mean you, you can ask the people like why aren't you why aren't why are you so dressed up why aren't you dressed up you know you show up at like a <laughs> wedding you're you're wearing like i don't know swim swim trunks and flip-flops you're gonna be like it's sitting it's sitting the right it's sitting it's sitting what it's supposed to look like would you would you rather lose your sight or lose all of your memories Gotta be memory, dude. I gotta be able to see, man. <laughs> I gotta be able to see what I'm doing. Would you rather be a pirate or a ninja? Pirate for sure. I'm not into I'm not into the ninja karate. You know, plus they call my coach the pirate. I, I better say that. That's why I asked. I, I figured that you'd be on board with that. So would you rather be an unfamous superhero with a superpower you could save people, but maybe not like a cool superpower? Or would you rather be a really famous villain? Famous villain. Yeah. Who's your, who's I like favorite, that. Who's your favorite superhero and who's your favorite villain? Uh, I don't even know, man. Who's a good villain? I don't know. Superheroes got to be Spider-Man, dude. Week. No, oh, dude. Spider-Man's, Spider-Man's awesome, dude. Man, you better watch your mouth, Daniel. My son will beat you up. Yeah. I ain't scared of that little fool. <laughs> just, just not. Not him. All right. La- last question. This is the question we ask everybody. Would you rather have money or would you rather have friends? Friends, man. I mean, I mean, <laughs> To be honest, you know, I don't know how much money I'm going to have. I don't even know what I'm going to do one day. But, you know, I know I have good friends and good family, man. And, you know, that's all you can ask for. You know, because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you can't take any of that money when, with you wherever you go. I mean, I don't know I mean, how many. You plan on taking your friends with you when you die, bro? Yeah, I plan on seeing them one day, man. <laughs> Hey, speaking of friends, Daniel, uh, a friend just chimed in because I, I, you know, I made sure to tell Cam his statement and he said, that's a bold statement. Apparently he doesn't know him like that. Mm. Oh, it's game on. We're going to have to see it. Hey, 
tell Cam, tell Cam that this, this we ain't, we're not talking about baseball here. You know, you can't carry a bat to the basketball court. <laughs> I love it. Tell him, don't let my audibles and these long socks and these wristbands fool you, because I'm a I'm a light it up. Oh, you. I'm a bucket for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, Randy, hit hit him with some knowledge because he's a friend friend over money guy. Nah, man, I I respect what you said, Will, and I get it. I like I said, these dudes been my cats since high school, but I'm taking if somebody offers me the bag and I got to get rid of these cats. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> I'm just waiting on Joe Rogan to call me up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't I blame you. him because he's been honest with us up front. Like, he he, he, told, he tells us. Like, I love y'all, though. I'm going to send y'all a little bit of loot just for the trouble. Yeah, <laughs> got to pay them all. I say friends every time, but as soon as that money gets offered, I'm sure I'll probably go a different way. Yeah, it's, it's probably a little different when it's in front of your face. Yep. So, Will, man, anything you want to plug or promote? No, man. I mean, I really appreciate you guys just for having me on. I'm sorry about the little delay at the beginning, but, you know, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's it's always a great time. And, you know, let me know if y'all want to do it again. Well, we we definitely will have you back on for sure. We, we want to get, you know, a recap of this upcoming season. And who knows, depending on how the season goes, we might bring you back midway. And get will, kind of a I got to ask you a question. If and when y'all beat LSU, will you come back on the next day? I will. Just to yeah, talk to just us call about me it. up. It'll be, right. hey, be a quick session. Just yeah. You know, all just, I want to hear about so, is so, the five touchdowns you so, threw. So you're you just know. gonna go after LSU? You were gonna bring Memphis in the mix. Okay, I appreciate that. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna hey, do both, that. They're both. They're both on the hit list. You know. All right, all right, all, right, so, so all gonna, the Tigers. All right, since we're gonna do this, since we're gonna do this, all right, Will, make sure you throw it towards Derek Stingley. That's all I'm saying. I'm, a, I'm about to. I'm. A, I'm about to let. It's, it's a good thing that we've had some Memphis guys on, and the, the last two Memphis guys we've had on have been defensive players. So, man, it's, it's, it's going to be on. It's going to be on. No, Will, man, we, we wish you nothing but the best. And, you know, we always – we joke and we kid, and, and, and you know, but we, we want you to be successful. We want you to come back, let us know how it's going. But, you know, if there's anything you need from us, any any kind of help promoting anything, reach out, man. We'll be yeah, guys, I really appreciate y'all having me. Thank y'all very much. Thank you. Yeah, y'all check them out on Instagram at wrogers underscore two, and check them out on ESPNU at three o'clock on September fourth. Louisiana Tech's coming to Starkville to open it up, man. Guys, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna plug our sponsors. When we come back, we're gonna do some headlines. Are you looking for that five-star grooming? Oasis Grooming Barber and Beauty Spa is the place to go in North Mississippi. Chris and his staff will get you that fade, trim, or even that hair art you've been looking for. Located at 2662 Highway 51 South in Hernando, or be on the lookout for the new location going up in Silo Square. So join the OG lifestyle today and tell them the end off the bench sent you. All right, boys, so you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety, and you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary, pain relief without narcotics, sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. So Daniel, Randy, we always talk about 
you know, trying to better our lives. Daniel, especially you on the the physical side, talk about the things we need to do to live a longer, healthier life. And, you know, with life changers, they teach and balance blood chemistry. They balance pH. They help you be disease free. They train you how to make money. And so if you're interested in something like this, 2610 Panola Street in Hernando, Mississippi, reach out to them. Let them help you change your life and you can help change other people's lives. Well, welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We've got some headlines for you, and we're going to start off with NBA. Just recently, last week, we had the draft. Um, Kate Cunningham goes first to the Pistons, but, you know, given some of the things I've read, Randy, they, they're saying that this is the deepest draft that we've seen in a long time. Do you agree with that? I think it has the potential to be that. I think that I'm always hesitant because I don't want to have that recency bias. A lot of talent – I just don't know, you know, everybody kind of always compares everything to that 96 draft. And I'm more of, I got to see it before I believe it because we, you know, the names you could just throw out just the Kobe's and the guard, all that, the names go on and on, but I got to see it. Cause is there a Kobe? Is there a KG? Is there even a, I mean, I, you know, I don't know, man, or you go to 2003, you got mellow and uh, LeBron. I mean, I I don't know, man. I don't know if I see that kind of draft. Yeah. Like you said, you got to give it some, some time to, to simmer, I guess, and you got to see what what comes out of it. And it's not like, a, well, let's re- reevaluate the draft class at the end of next year. It's almost like a three to five year thing where you got to like let guys develop and see what happens. Because for some of them, it's a, it's a it's a huge step, and there's a learning curve. And you know, for others, there'll be immediate impact. And obviously, one of them will be a, a rookie of the year next year, and probably go on to do some big things but you never really know what you have you know on paper it looks great but you're on the court with guys like Giannis that's seven foot tall and Durant that can guard defend shoot do everything imaginable you don't get that every day in college so with that though Randy talk to me about the Grizzlies so it it was quite the, the the scuttlebutt you know over this draft and some moves they made so recap their their moves they made who they drafted and, and what we're expecting well i'm going to focus on the one that a lot of people are talking about and it's zaire williams and and people saying that the grizzlies reached and and you know i, I understand why people feel like that um coupled with the fact that they traded a, a big piece that a, a fan favorite away to kind of move up and then to pick zaire so it kind of felt like you let the air out of the bag a little bit but what i think the grizzlies first of all it sounds ironic to say it but they've earned this front office and Zach Kleiman, King Kleiman, as he's known here in the streets of Memphis, um, they've earned our trust. They've they've picked well the last couple of years, and they really stuck to the script here. Um, they Zaire Williams, yes, he could be a project, but there's no doubt that this guy is a you know seven foot wingspan, got a silky smooth jumper, good offensive rebounder, pick and roll, which they don't have. He gives them an element that they've been missing in that scoring wing and also to put somebody, you know, if Steven Adams is going to be there as the big guy in the middle, Jaron on the side, you got to have a wing guy that can not only shoot the ball, but also defend. And he's got the ability to do all that. And this is the thing that Grizzlies fans need to understand. 
I know everybody wants to win now, and Ja has definitely made us feel like that rebuild was a lot faster than it should have been. But this is a project. This isn't for next season or even the season after that. You got to think about the guys that they have on the right now. They got Tillman a couple years ago, Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain. All these guys are for a longer-term project that you want to have a team that's going to compete for the next five to six years, not next year. So I think that's the part we got to focus on. Yeah, you could argue, though, too, that when those guys were drafted, they were considered reaches as well. And, 100%. You know, they're, they're seeming to work out. Obviously, they're role players, and they're fitting the role that, the, that they're asked to do you know, pretty well with the exception of Ja, I think you're looking at every draft that the Grizzlies might have as a reach because like how often are you going to get the the one or two pick in the draft? Like that's not the goal. You hope not very often. Right. So um, with that, you you want to be able to maximize the development of the talent and, you know, make sure the guys that you get fit the role so they are successful. Um, You know, we we talk about success and, and role players though. Jim, your boy, is is he now officially a role player? Yes, and I actually (laughs) – y'all will both find this funny. So, you know, obviously I'm a part of the Westbrook fan groups, and they did a what was your prediction for their stat line next year, right? And had the audacity – or people had the audacity to come at me and question me as a Westbrook fan. Can you guys actually imagine that? Because I kept it real. Look. They said, what What do you think his stat line is going to be? And so, you know, I just said 17, 11, and 7. And good Lord, they came at me. He's only going to score 17 points. He's only going to have seven rebounds. Guys, he's going to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, and then with Marcus Saul down there, he's not going to need to get double-digit rebounds. He's definitely not going to need to score 30 points a night. The assist, uh, you know, you know they're going to go up with the kind of team he is, but LeBron James is a facilitator too. Hell, Gasol's a facilitator. So the idea that you think that he's going to go out there and average a triple-double or put up 30 points, you've lost your mind. He is with those two guys. I'm willing to accept it, and I'm perfectly fine with it. I, I just hate it's the Lakers, but he's a role player. And, and I think, you know – He's going to have trouble with that. You know, we all know how much trouble he's going to have with that because he wants to be the alpha. But he'll get it, especially if he wants to win a title. I think it also helps that he did play with Bradley Beal this year because there was no question that that Russ is an alpha personality, but that was Bradley Beal was the star of the team, even though Russ did his thing. But Bradley Beal was the dominant scorer because Russ is not going to be that guy. That's going to be Anthony Davis. If the Lakers know what's good for him, it'll be Anthony Davis. And then LeBron and, and Russ can just kind of do their thing. Yeah, so, I mean, could you see him averaging 20 points a game or could a triple-double? I don't see either. I, yeah, I don't – I don't. I'm with you on the assist because LeBron is going to have the ball in his hands. Now, definitely, they're going to have to figure out how to play with each other, and that they'll do that because he did that with Harden. They were both ball-dominant, and LeBron is definitely willing to facilitate to Russ a lot more than I think Harden ever was. It's going to be interesting to see those guys, though, because if you really look at it, they're, a, they're really different in the way they play, but a lot of the way they play is similar in the fact that they both, you know, struggle a little bit from the outside, but they're both ball dominant and they both are facilitators. So, and they're both great rebounders. It's just that Russ is, you know, six, what, six, three, six, four, and LeBron's, what, six, eight, and, you know, 300, 280. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, 
right now, you know, you said they're both struggling from the outside, but LeBron, LeBron's been the better outside guy. So, I mean, if I want a guy spotting up to shoot, I would rather it be LeBron than Russ. He has quite, he has figured that out. Another signing that's going to probably go under the radar for them as far as rebounds goes, Dwight Howard re-signing with the Lakers today. Um, that's going to give him another big body down there. As long as Carmelo shows up and is Carmelo of Portland and not Carmelo of OKC, I'll be okay. If they do find a way to sign Melo, I think that the Lakers, obviously, even without him, I think they're they're going to be a favorite to contend. But with Melo, I think it's the greatest chance for him and Russ to get that long-coveted ring, and then they would get one before CP3. I mean, how crazy that sound going in the, into the finals of this last year. Hey, so let me uh, let me ask you guys something. <clears throat> I saw the worst. I saw the worst discussion topic ever, and I gotta ask this because when you said CP3 and made me think NBA Finals, they were trying to compare Giannis and KD's legacy. I don't even think there's a discussion at all yet. I feel I saw like that. like Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, KD's a four-time scoring champ, an MVP. Does he have two or three titles? Two, right? He got two with the well. well even either way, he's got more than Giannis. Yeah. He's got he's got one MVP and four scoring titles, and I mean, like you've always said, he's the most dominant scorer in the game. So, like, what are we talking about here? It's not even it's not a debate. No, and it's what's so crazy about that is if you hear guys, and I, and I don't mind Kendrick Perkins as far as a talking head, but there was a time during the finals, during the playoffs, that they were questioning whether he was the best player on his own team, and now you're going to come back and try to question him. Is, is he better than KD's legacy? Get get out of here. It's that's not even a, a discussion worthy of debating. I mean, that we all know the answer to that. It doesn't take a, a genius to know that. But um, Jim, I, I got to go back to Westbrook and the Lakers. Does are they going to be able to compete with the best teams in the East with Russ? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're the favorite, and I think I like their three better than the Nets. But, you know, um, well, talking I think, about – I think what you have to do, though, too, is remove AD. Let's say AD gets hurt because that, that seems to happen frequently. Well, don't do that because you, you, you didn't pick the Nets last year because they said someone always gets hurt. No, no, so. no, no. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, my question to you is if, if AD's hurt or – LeBron is hurt and it's Russ and one of the one of those two. Is that enough to compete for a championship? The only reason I'm gonna say no is because it wasn't enough when Russ was in his prime with him and KD. So to think that Russ passed his prime, and especially if it's LeBron who's passed his prime, no, I don't. And then, you know, I'm looking at a picture of Kawhi Leonard right now. If he happens to team up with Dame like there's talks about then I don't think they'd be better than that duo. I don't think we're going to even see Kawhi until the end of the season if we see him at all next year. Yeah, he, he might be like – he might be the Aaron Rodgers of NBA. He might just be like – But hey, worse because he don't even talk, though. He's like, right. yeah, I'm not there. Hey, and I mean, I, and I know we're talking a lot about NBA when it's not, it's not NBA season, but let me ask you, uh, you know, talking about this Western teams, um, you know, either of you guys like – when Clay Thompson comes back, are the Warriors going to be a, like, let's just say a, a top four team in the West again? I think that's about where they'll be four, five, six, something like that. Yeah. I mean, when they shoot the ball as well as they do, they can play with anybody. I mean, we, 
we've all seen it. We all know that. I mean, that 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 strategy and that plan is is still working. Um, not to mention, they can play a little bit deep, a little bit of defense. Wiseman will be back. He'll be a, a year older. I mean, he, that's the key to whether they'll be top yeah. four or not. Is is James Wiseman? You know, they, they, they got work to do, obviously, but so does everybody else. But, I mean, you can't count them out. I mean, I, I worry about the Grizzlies. I, I don't foresee them being a, a top four team, but, like, the five through eight, like, that's where you want them to be at some point. But are they there yet? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, did uh did I see correctly, did Lonzo Ball get traded or pit signed? With the bulls. to the bulls yeah along with mr derrick rose old d rose got a big deal a lot of big deals getting handed out today yeah. boys lonzo four year 85 mil Signed you think that helps take the pressure off zach levine i think it has to because he can just be a scorer he doesn't have i mean Lonzo's gonna have the ball and lonzo actually as ugly as his shot used to be dude he's really developed a three-point shot he's actually pretty good he's a lot better than people want to give him credit for all right, guys, let's let's move on. You know, we're towards the back of the season for NBA. It's going to get, hopefully, you know, there will be some more signs and some more trades and some more deals, and hopefully it, it, it will be all quiet and we can focus a little bit more on, on Major League Baseball. Hold on one second. Before we move on, we got to talk about what the Miami Heat did today. This could be uh, the deal that puts them. Resign Duncan Robinson. That's <laughs> hey, hey, let's talk about that. Duncan Robinson, talk about the story. We've talked about it before. That guy had not one single Division One offer. Went to a post-grad in high school just to try to get a D3 offer. Goes and plays D3, transfers to Michigan, goes undrafted, and now he's signing a four-year, $90 million deal. You know, and, do you know, and what, do you know what else Duncan Robinson does? A podcast. The closest and most similar one to what we do in this country is done by Duncan Robinson. So screw him. <laughs> yeah, he he's and he, he's really good at it. I mean, the guy's one of the best shooters in the game. Uh, I mean, the, the 27 years old, getting his bag. I'm mean, shout out to him. And also, what the Heat did today, they re-signed Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's getting the bag. He's getting 184 million over the next four years. So shout out to him, and a they guy that they Kyle said was. Lowry. And they sign and trade for Kyle Lowry. The only part I don't like about that deal, and I guess it was just a lot of bigs, you got Bam, is they they traded away Precious, man. I don't like that. I don't like it. But you got to do what you got to do. Randy clearly still has that affection for the Heat and Jimmy Buckets, no doubt. Jimmy Buckets is my uh, – look, the guy deserved the bag. You remember it because he got he, – he, he fell out of favor with the Timberwolves. He was on the Sixers. They said he wasn't a good teammate. Goes down there and he's blossomed in the. T- That's a perfect team, Pat Riley. Man. That whole thing, perfect. And the, the hey, the biggest person he had squabbles with, other than the coach with the Sixers, with Ben Simmons. Man, if they could only go back and do that again, right? Bye, Ben. He said it. He called him out too. Yeah, it's those guys. You know what I think happened is is Jimmy goes in to management. He said, "Look, I don't know what the hell's going on, but." The team that we were this past season is not indicative of who we are when we went to the final. And what I need is some more pieces because we have what it takes score-wise to get us there. But what did they do? They went out, they kept him, they re-signed Duncan Robinson, they brought in 
you know, a couple big names and, you know, they moved Precious out, but they still got Bam. But, I mean, it, to me, when you add those pieces, Randy, they are significantly better. I, I agree. Kyle Lowry still got juice in the tank, and that's a playoff veteran. You still got Tyler Hero. He, hits, he slumped last year, but I expect him to come back. I, I think the Heat, I mean, I'm not going to put them ahead of the Nets if the Nets are healthy. But I think that they'll give them all they want. Obviously, that you know you're going to have the Bucks. I mean, the East is is really quickly uh, ramping up. It's top heavy, but they're getting a lot better. You know, the one team that I I mean I could be wrong, but I didn't hear them do anything is the Knicks. I, mean, I don't. Yeah, I think it's like a, everybody thinks that people are supposed to go to the Knicks, but nobody ever goes to the Knicks. I, to me, and maybe. Maybe I just don't know, but to me, I feel like the Knicks are one of the most overrated teams that think people, exactly what you just said, they think players want to go play for the name, the Knicks, but I don't think that's really the reality. They I, I think they're the Cowboys, DB. What's up with that? Oh, I was going to say, you cut me off. <laughs> and, and that's fine, but, you know, how many stars can you can you name on the Cowboys? Uh, like two. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, they all wear a star, DB. Don't get me on a technicality. No, but what, what I'm getting at is, like, are there any stars on the Knicks? No. Julius Randle's the closest thing you got, and I think we're, we're, we're reaching. He was somebody the Lakers. Yeah, he was somebody the Lakers were willing to just get rid of, no problem. Absolutely. Right. So I, I think that's the problem. Like, when you, you got a team, you know, in Brooklyn that's, Pulling stars left and right, like, what are you doing? Like, you know. And Atlanta, and we talked about this in real time. To, just to finish up, Atlanta is going to come back to Earth next year. Believe that. They did resign John Collins, which is a huge, huge thing. Because I still, they're still not going to be, they're still not going to be up there, and they're not going to be advancing to second round and stuff. Um, quote me now. Well, I don't disagree. Don't. I'm not an Atlanta believer. Yep. Don't, but don't ask Ice Trey Young that. He, he will, <laughs> what a name. Uh, yeah. All right, guys. Major League Baseball. We had, you know, a busy, busy trade deadline. Just to give you some of the 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 highlights. Uh we finally know a name that plays for the Giants. Chris Bryant trades to the Giants. Like, you know, with him and Buster Posey, like I feel like those are the two guys like that we know. So, you know, I don't know if that's the move that, you know, inches them, you know, to that top spot because the Dodgers made some moves as well. They pick up Max Scherzer. Um, you know, Jim, you can tell us the Cubs basically just cleaned house, man. They they, they had a fire sale of everybody. As, as us being Cardinals fans, there's nothing more fun than not this, just the fact that they clean house, but then Anthony Rizzo – goes and homers in his first game for the Yankees. Javier Baez homers in his first game for the Mets. And then Chris Bryant goes and homers in his game for San Francisco. And that just like, I mean, that's got a really salt of wound for the Cubs. And, and you know, hey, you know, you talk about San Francisco and what that does for them. But the other, you know, using those Cubs guys, man, Rizzo didn't just hit a home run in Friday's game. Rizzo is a blazing inferno since he got to New York. And we've been talking – Will New York ever do anything? Is he somebody that helps give them that spark? You got to wonder. 
I don't know, man. I, I saw a meme though. It's kind of funny. It it was a picture of the Wrigley Ivy, and it said the the Ivy has been traded for two bushes plant. and a prospect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah, as Cardinals fans, we got to enjoy that, right? And the fact that they they all went off when they left, like that's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of Cardinals, Randy, you know John Lester, you know veteran arm, multiple championships picked up by the Cards. Like I, as much as the name is appealing, I don't know if this is enough. No, nah, I don't think it is. I, I mean, obviously you get excited about the name, but uh, you know I saw it on Twitter. It's like uh, Mazalak is trying to win the 2011 World Series again in in 2021, but I think that right now. They just got to try something, you know. They're they're six and a half games back of the wild card, so it's not out of reach. You you feel like the division's probably out of reach. They're nine and a half games back there, um, but I think that you're starting to see them play better. They really are playing better. Took two out of three the last couple series, other than dropped the the red series, but they played pretty well in there. Uh, Arnado is making, you know, Jim shared one with just the other day. Unbelievable plays. Uh, so they're playing well defensively. They're hitting better. They just got to get this. This pitching, man, and and, and well, they're the getting Captain team. Jack back. They are getting Captain Jack back. He made his Memphis, you know, uh, rehab start yesterday. Went, went three innings, looked good from from what I heard. So I think if you get him back, plus Wainwright's, I mean, that guy, he just keeps doing what he does. He's not doing it pretty, but he's winning games. I think they still got a shot to get in here, boys. Hey, and hey, we'd be remiss if we didn't shout out uh, Yachty for passing Albert for fourth on the hits list on the Cardinals. Absolutely, shout out Yachty. Do you think John Lester is better than Wainwright? I will never say that. <laughs> right now, yes, but never career-wise, no. I mean, he's definitely he's got to be more. I don't know. He might be. To me, it's it's like it, it's two of the same. Like you, you, veteran guys know how to win. Know how old to pitch. school pitchers. Yeah, they're gonna grind you out some innings and keep you in the ball game. They're they're not gonna. They're going to have their outing every, you know, six, seven starts where they don't have anything, and it'll show. But I'm with you, Randy. Like, I just don't know if one arm is enough to make up the ground. That's, that's It's almost you're hoping for other people to play bad, you know, and you, but you still have to play really, really well. And, you know, John Lester has to win of his next ten starts. He's got to win six or seven of them give you a chance and i just i don't know if that's the guy that you put your money on to win you six or seven out of ten no but to 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 what jim said though you get captain jack back and you do count on that from him so if you can get anything from john lester it's probably a win right yeah i mean you're i think you're hoping that you you got a guy that kind of stabilizes the pen and there's not a whole lot of instability because you know what you're getting from him um, what you can't have is a guy that you hope to keep you in every game and just doesn't, just goes out there every, you know, night after night and has, has a rough But the But the other part of this equation is the Brewers got to stop winning or it doesn't That's even true. matter. <laughs> That's true. I think we're going to see John Lester tomorrow against the Braves, against our, uh, you know, hometown boy, Austin Riley. Dude, this man, hey, he couldn't – the only reason he couldn't get player of the month is because of – Speaking of in-division, damn Joey Votto. Like, Austin Riley had the most ridiculous month, but Joey Votto going to go off and hit seven straight games with homers and go ahead and just take that crown from him. 
That guy is unbelievable right now. Joey Votto says, here you go, Austin. Thank here you go, you youngster. But sorry, Austin's been, hey, as, as Randy's been talking about, Austin's making sure that he's getting the bag. That's a fact. Oh, yeah. The question is, is it going to be with the Braves, though? Really uh, that, that is the big question. But I know what Daniel's ready to talk about. There has, there has finally been a change at the top of a certain division. Yeah, I mean, look at the Rays. The Rays have battled and battled and battled, and, and they, they haven't been just stellar – but they've done enough to win games. They're six and four of their last 10, and there they are. 64 and 43, baby. One game ahead of the Sox for first place in the East. And this is a good time. This is this is typically the time where the Rays have their, their setbacks. They start struggling a little bit, then they kind of have to pour it on at the end. But hopefully they figure it out. Hopefully they stay consistent. Um, you know, got the Yankees even with their new acquisition they're still seven games back Blue Jays eight games back and the Orioles I mean let me ask you a question on the Jays we can only do so much for the Orioles Daniel let me ask you a question on Jays so when you look at that amazing run differential that Tampa Bay has look at the the Jays how are they struggling so bad like I mean they are over 500 so it's, it's not they're not terrible but like Man, that's a hell of a run differential to not be a better record. Well, I think w- what it is is it's run differential over the teams that they played. If you go back and look at the teams that they played, they probably might be weaker teams. Uh, but the fact of the matter is you can play really well and win games when you're eight games back. But if the teams ahead of you are playing really well and winning games, which is what's happening with, with Tampa Bay, like, you're never going to gain any ground. So as, as as positive as that that run differential number is, it, it could be as green as you want it to be. But if the guys in front of you are continuing to win, like you're, you're still not going to cover any ground, which is, I think, you know, what's happening with the Blue Jays. And unfortunately, they, they're playing in a division with the Rays, the Red Sox, and the Yankees. Like, you know, it, they, they, they have to rely on them winning and a little bit of luck of those other guys losing. And right now that's, that's not happening um, at the clip that they need it. But looking at the central, like I don't even think the central is, is worth even mentioning. I mean, the Sox each week is only, only the top, only the La Russa clip where he was running is worth mentioning. <laughs> Wait, what, what, what was he running to do? And then he put, he pushes the catcher like, like I, I don't I don't understand. Like, oh no, but that that was that was funny, man. My my, my man was getting it. Yeah, I think that I catcher should have punched him right in the face. Said, Look, bro, I don't care how old you are. Old. Look, just like Pedro did the old man Don for the Zimmer, Red Yankees. Yep. Don Zimmer, get out of here, Don. Grab him by the head. Look, man, don't be running up on me like you a man. I'm a man, I'm forty. <laughs> so you got you got the Astros and and you know give the A's credit. They're they're behind four and a half, but they're trying to they're trying not to give up much more. But but who did I just I'm, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. The A's just made a big acquisition, and I'm did, are they the ones that got Starling Marte? I don't know, but it, it whoever it is, I I don't think it's going to be enough to surpass the Astros because they're playing they're playing well, man. Look at look at that run differential. You want to talk about run differentials? Look at that one. 
Mm-hmm. Plus one forty nine. Let's. I'm gonna keep believing in Oakland because I told I told you I refuse to pick the Astros no matter how good they are. So at some point, Oakland's gonna get over that hump. Yeah, and you know as we transition to the National League, you, you see the Mets. I, they're up two and a half on the Phillies, three and a half on the Braves. The Braves, we talk about them every week, but it seems like they're slowly, slowly climbing back into it. You know, and the Mets are sitting there. I think the Mets are going to screw up and let these guys back in. And but there's a stat for Atlanta. Notice their record. Um, and because of Austin, I'm a part of the Atlanta Braves fan group. Uh, do you know that they've been one game below 500? Like, I think it was like 14 times this year, and then they couldn't get to 500? They're literally – I think it's the last night. 18 games they're nine and nine it's just a cat they can't climb up the phillies have actually passed them now because they're to jim's point they get right there and then they lose they get right there and then they lose two games then they win another one then they lose another they can't get over the hump right now sounds like the grizzlies (laughs) how dare you hey the phillies were your dark horse last year daniel what happened man you don't you don't believe in them no more no i do i just i just think given the way that last season ended and what we knew each of the teams had coming back, like, I mean, I felt like, you know, the Braves were a a hotter team to pick than the Phillies, but I mean, you know, the rotation that the Mets have, like it's hard to to pitch, pick against those guys. I want to talk um, about the Mets for just a second. All right. And, and to bring it back to college baseball, we've had a lot of, so I, I talk about the fact that they draft Kumar, they find something in his medical that they that they don't like, which is with, well within their right. But now n- that player can't go sign with another team, and no player can pick up his draft rights until next year. I think it's a broken system, guys. I, I don't I don't agree with that. There are plenty of guys that get signed that know they have to get Tommy John surgery, still get drafted, still get signed. So for them to do a guy like Kumar that way, and then for him to be stuck is just it's wrong to me. I don't understand why that wasn't discovered prior to being drafted. Well, and, and the thing is, and, and I, I guarantee Randy probably fixing to say this before I cut him off. His last few games, he looked as if something was off and something was bothering him. And so I think it, if they would have probably researched, they probably would have figured out something was wrong probably because it started happening going when they were going into the college world series. Now I, yeah, I, I I agree with that. He didn't look the same, but I have a theory. And right, wrong, and different is probably wrong. It's probably just a feeling. But given the success that Tommy John surgery has on pitchers coming back from it, I don't think anymore are the days where a pitcher tweaks their arm and they can you know, rehab and go run it out without surgery. I think Tommy John is like almost the cure-all where they're like, well, it's not too bad, but, you know, we could just fix it now and you'll be good, you know. I feel like that's the mentality that they're taking with him is, well, let's go on and fix it now. We know it's the success rate. You're, you're going to have a, a high percentage of coming back and being as good, if not better. And so let's let's maximize your longevity. But why not sign him then and let it? Right, that's what I was thinking, especially because the Mets have had a history of having guys go through surgery and then they they've kept them and then they've done well. I don't know, man. It's it's like 
trying to come up with an analogy. You know, you have a point, but also let's make sure that you you get the surgery. Let's make sure you do the rehab the way you're supposed to. Let's make sure that you do everything the way you're supposed to, and let's make sure that when you come back ready to throw, you're throwing. I, I just thought it was funny on all the college forums, people actually thought he was going to go back to Vandy. It was like, yeah, right. He's he's done everything he needs to do to prove that he's got a national title. Why would he put those innings on his arm, especially when he's undergoing an injury? No, yeah, I mean, it, it, it might yeah. be helpful for him to, to not pitch for a little bit. I mean, it could I, be. I, I just don't. It stinks, man. You, you're, I yeah. think you're handcuffing a player and a team. You know they 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 they're handcuffing him, and they're not going to get the rights to him because next year he can sign with another team, and then the Mets all the while are going to get a compensatory draft pick because he signs with another team. So so let me ask you, Randy, because I saw that um, familiarize me with it. What what does that mean? They got back to back or or whatever. What does that mean? Like did they they, they get an extra pick? But they either get an extra pick or depending on what he gets offered, they'll get cash or a, a basically cash considerations for the draft pick. So either way, they're winning. They're either way. Gotcha. It's it's almost I mean, I hate to say it, it's almost as good, if not better, than to have that player himself. Oh, hey, guys, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. Uh uh it got it got put on social media today by University of Tennessee. All six. Tennessee baseball players that were drafted seven. or seven, excuse me. Dang. Now you ruined my story drop. Anyway, have all officially signed with their organization. So congratulations to all those guys. Shout out big orange. Get it. Get it. Well, just looking at the rest of the standings, man, we don't have to get too in depth with the central. We talked about the Cardinals and nine and a half back. It's, it's looking more like a wild card run for them. If anything, but the, the West got to be the most intriguing, you know, division in baseball. I mean, the Giants, three games up on the Dodgers, um, six and a half games up on the Padres, all of them over five, well over 500 with, you know, 60 plus wins, which, I mean, that's, you know, up there with tops in baseball. So, you know, I'll ask you, Jim, who, who has the upper hand now that this trade deadline is come and gone? Is it, is it the Dodgers? Is it the Giants or are the Padres? Do they have enough to, to sneak back? I, th- I think the Padres have kind of fallen a little too far back. And then Tatis is, you know, battling injury right now, but I've been saying no matter, you know, it's kind of like the Houston thing, right? I don't want to say it. And I like this giant story, but you know, Giants made moves, but so did the Dodgers. And I still think at the end of the day, they're going to, as much as we probably don't want it, I think the Dodgers will find a way to get up there. They are just just the better team. Well, that's true. I don't disagree. But they have played seven times in the past two weeks, and the Giants have won five of the seven. Who's your daddy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's essentially what they're saying, so. Uh, Jim, I'll ask you, man, what, what will change between this week and next week? And don't play uh, the raid. <laughs> uh, do I have to pick American and National League, or can I just pick one from? Just pick one. Uh, go to the National League. I don't because I can't pick the Rays, which I wasn't going to pick anyway. Um, mm, you know what? Uh, 
All right, we can do the third to second thing, right? I think, all right, I'm going with it. Atlanta is going to get over 500, and they're going to pass Philly. Finally get over 500 because it's it's been a long time coming. Wow. Good pick. Randy, what do you think changes between this week and next week? Uh, I like that pick that Jim just made, so I got I can't pick that. Let me – Okay, I'm gonna stick in the same same in the East. I think that but the Mets, I'm gonna say what the spark plug is gonna be. A little Javi Baez. He's gonna extend that lead in the East. And the Braves are gonna be trying to fight for that wild card spot. I want them to get in, but I think the Mets, that's gonna be the move they needed to get over that hump. I uh I'm I'm gonna go Yankees. Uh, and I'm I'm not a Yankees fan by any means, but I think what they've done is they've given themselves a chance and I don't think they're a seven game back. I'm going to say they cut into this Red Sox lead. I'm going to say the the Rays continue to hold on to the first place spot, but I think it's going to be the Yankees drawing some distance closer to the Red Sox. Say about, I don't know, two games. I agree. And why do you got to be 6-6 to play in the Yankees outfield? I know, man. Like my god. Can can they just each of them throw like half an inch my way? What happened to the Brett Gardeners of the Yankees outfield? <laughs> <laughs> man. All right, guys. Man, I, that, it's, it's a light, light sports week, but the two things that we hit were, were pretty loaded. So we'll run right into last call. Jim, what do, you, what do you got for us? Anything? Yeah, man. Unfortunate. Women's national team, World Cup. Mm, mm-mm. I, I gotta gonna, ask, I gotta they're going to play for bronze, bro. That's that's unacceptable by America's standards. All right, but I got to ask you. So walk me through this call against Canada. Like, I, I don't understand how, like, what is the call and how do they get a penalty kick or a shot at goal or a free kick or whatever you call it because of this penalty? I actually have only heard about it, so I don't want to – make myself look stupid i haven't seen the play itself but what i will say is i've seen people who aren't biased uh, towards america that are just huge soccer writers um say that it was correct because most of the people you're going to hear say it's wrong is naturally going to be american bias so um without me seeing the clip myself i'm i'm not gonna lay judgment here's what i will say about all this um you know I'm not a I'm not a Megan uh, Rapino fan, and for her to be such a sore loser and say, you know, I've never lost to Canada, losing to Canada is unacceptable. Like that's okay for me to say. I just made a joke, you know, playing for the bronze is unacceptable. But um, show more class than that. I, I mean, I, I I don't. Here's what I'll say in regards to that. I think you need to see the entirety of the interview. You can't take those clips because you could definitely take those clips out of context and take it exactly the way that you took it. I didn't necessarily, I heard what she said. I didn't necessarily take it that way. I took it as we just lost and that's unacceptable to lose when we are expected to win a gold medal. It just happened to be they lost to Canada. Yeah, but then you made the next step and made sure to put the big I in there have never lost to Canada. Well, I mean, that's that's a factual statement. I mean, she has never lost to Canada. Okay, so 
Let, hey, let me ask you a question before we, before we move on. Let Randy do his last call because because I decided to bring up soccer and you didn't actually yell at me. Did it break your heart a little bit when Will Rogers talked about you know his love for soccer? No, because I, I knew I knew the love was going to quickly vanish. It's like <laughs> it, it's it's the typical. Once he experienced some ties, he was out. Yeah, it, it's the typical little kid move. Like we're just gonna. I'm tired of you being at home little dude so you need to get out and do something oh there's soccer let me let you go run around and hopefully you get tired so when you come home you won't be as crazy and you'll you'll sleep better like <laughs> that's why soccer was invented for little kids as as a a mechanism to tire them out and hopefully they sleep and calm down and won't drive you crazy so randy what you got last call man a move that I did not bring up that I think is going to be the one that takes the Miami Heat to the top of the East. Oh, we're back at the Heat. Damn. Oh, we are. To the I moon, love, baby. I to love this move the most. Pat Riley is a god in the NBA right now. I'm going to tell you. Signed forward, P.J. Tucker. <laughs> he got Durant stopper. They're going all in, baby. Now my boy Jimmy Buckets can just go get buckets. He ain't got to be the guy defending the best player every night. I love it, man. Well, everything the Heat are doing, I just I wish it, I wish that it was the Grizzlies that had all these Jimmy buckets. And they don't even need. I, I I love that you love this whole Heat thing, but they don't even need to play next season. Just give my boy his his trophy. Let's uh, Lakers. Oh, time. I can't. I hope it's the Heat and the Lakers again in the finals. That would be so cold. Can I get seven games of that, please? I would seven like that banter. Because look, like PJ's gonna guard LeBron, so Jimmy's gonna guard Russ. We gotta, we got to see. He got to see me. <laughs> All right, guys. For me, um, I know I texted you and and told you CrossFit Games were on TV just to see if you'd flip it over. I'm sure you probably didn't, but oh, you're wrong. Oh, you did. So you checked it out. What? What did you notice? Anything special? What first first glance at it? What what did you think? I mean, honestly, how ridiculously in shape they are. I have to commend the time that they have spent preparing themselves. I think, you know, as someone who works out myself but doesn't put in that kind of time, like I gotta look at them and think, damn, like I wish I could be in that kind of shape and be able to compete in those kind of competitions, whether, you know, we joke on CrossFit or not, they are elite athletes. And I was impressed. I mean, I didn't sit there and probably watch the whole thing like you, but you, you said something about it and I'm not gonna lie to you. I didn't go searching for it. It just happened to be coincidental. And so when it came, when I came across it and it was on, I was like, Oh, you know what? Daniel, Daniel told us to watch this. So I watched an hour of it and I was impressed. Yeah, I mean it's it's 15 grueling events over a 4-day span and what what you end up with is the fittest man and fittest woman on earth. And when when you look at the men's side, there there was a guy Matt Fraser who was the fittest guy for the last 6 years. Um he retired and now you led way to the youngest ever CrossFit Games champion, Justin Medeiros, who didn't win a single event, didn't finish first in any event until the last one, uh, but was just so damn consistent enough to, he was in all of the games they had the most consistent and best 
average finish that they've ever had. So uh, shout out to him. But on the women's side, man, you you have a, a Australian Tia Toomey who is now a, a six time winner, and she's coming back, and it's not even close, guys. Like she is. Somebody needs to put the Tanya Harding on her, man, so they can somebody else can win that thing. I mean, it it's it she everything she does she's good at so like she was um she competed in the olympics four years ago in weightlifting for australia she made the australian bobsled team like it, it just crazy stuff that you know all the things that she does in crossfit she does things to try to that these skills translate to and she's good at everything man she's coming back and like she'll be head and shoulders the 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 odds on favorite to win it. And, you know, there's not anybody close until, until you start training the right way again and take it, you're going to take the whole competition. Nobody's going to be talking about the females because I'm talking about what Daniel ball did at the ripe age of 37. Now, bro, I'm, I'm out of that. Even the team competition is <laughs> those guys. Are Me, you and Randy, bro. Team comp. Let's go. Yeah, we could do the the seventy five hard challenge, man. Yeah. Hey, Randy. By the way, uh, on a something, you know, last call, you forgot uh your boy Ethan. Yeah, I didn't forget. I just could only talk about my heat so much. But Ethan Birmingham, we talked about it a lot. He'll be a future UFC star. Uh, had another fight this past weekend. Uh, a lot of hype going into the fight. It was a local guy he was fighting. Also, a very talented guy. And uh, Ethan finished him in fifty seven seconds. Already got his next fight lined up uh, in just a couple, like I think a month. So no, no rest for the wicked. He's coming for the belt and everybody that stands in his way. So shout out to him, the kid, young kid. I don't think he's eighteen yet. Matter of fact, I know he's not. He's seventeen years old. So once that kid turns eighteen, the sky's the limit. So what's he? What's he have to do to get a shot at the title, Randy? Oh, he'll get a shot in uh, at the title real soon for what they got. I mean, he is a champion. I mean, but it's just what's next. It's what's what's the next thing on the horizon. And I think he's got to be 18 maybe to fight professionally like UFC style. But as soon as he's afforded that opportunity, he's absolutely going to be there and take it. And I don't see anything slowing him down, barring injury, knock on wood. But that kid is so stupid talented. He reminds me a lot of watching, um, you know, Jaleel a few years ago. And as we know, his – his rise has been something to see. He's still, you know, fighting professionally, making money, winning fights. So let me ask you this. He, like, it wasn't a long fight, but to me it was just, he was just throwing punches and just really just beating up on dudes. So when I think about a professional fighter, does, obviously he has to have more components and facets to his game than just being able to stand up there and punch people. So. That's not the strong part of his game. Yeah, you know, the previous fight that Randy had us watch, the, the first card we watched him on before we had him on, he was on the ground the majority of the time. Yeah, he, his ground game is his strong sign. So to see him finish a fight by TKO was actually uh, probably just a, another notch in the belt because, I mean, his ground game is top notch. He's a black belt already. He's a multi – he's a judo champion. He's a jiu-jitsu champion. I mean, the guy is – the accolades are endless. He's got a, a recipe for – for success, he just got to get the opportunity, man. So. He reminds me a lot of you guys. Have, he's in the UFC now. He did fight for V3 and came up through CFFC. But Bryce Mitchell was a guy that fought several years ago, young guy. And as soon as he burst on the scene in the UFC, he got on the Ultimate Fighter, the show, 
Now, the difference between Bryce and, and Ethan is a lot of the personality. Bryce has a lot of that showmanship, talks a lot of shit. Ethan's not that guy, but I think he'll figure it out. Well, wish him the best of luck. He said his next fight is, what, like a month from now? Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> that man came out the ring and said, we could do it again in an hour. Who you got lined <laughs> yeah, up? I'll go main event again. He said, how long was that? A minute? A minute ten? All right, I'm good. Yeah, give me give me 30 days. I'll be ready. No, it was uh 58 seconds. All right, my bad. Uh, Put some respect by that name. Yeah, 58 seconds, man. I couldn't even I couldn't even make it here to the to the couch in 58. Yeah, Daniel was still making his drink. He he hadn't even sat down yet. Nope, nope, not at all. All right, guys, let's uh let's call it a wrap. Let's get up out of here, man. Another. Great time, great story from our man Will Rogers. Man, wish him nothing but the best. Um, hopefully, we get a chance to bring him back. Who knows? In, in his eyes, they're hoisting the national championship, and if that's the case, man, it'll be it'll be another good episode with him. But if you like hearing us, average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We'll see everyone next week for episode 24, where we're bringing on Ole Miss baseball pitcher Hunter Elliott to join us. He's going to recap the season and give us some insight for uh, what he's got planned for the future, man. It'll be nice. It'll be fun. I can't wait. This has been the In Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, great and grind all the time. We're out.